Good morning. Good morning. How's it going, everybody? Oh, it is so great to be with you all today uh, on this, this very special week, y'all. It, it's a very special week because this is around the time where I start to spend some intentional time doing one of the most important activities that one can do. Deciding whose house I'm about to hit up for Thanksgiving. Okay, it's no small task, actually. It's, it's, it's some intricacies in there. There's some things that are involved in figuring out where I'm going. But one thing that remains consistent, no matter whose house I go to, whether it's my, my mom's, grandma's house, uh, aunt's house, cousin's house, one thing remains the same. I'm, I'm a max, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat. I'm going in. I'm eating several plates. Uh, there, there are several rounds. My role doesn't change. I know my part. I know what I'm here to do. And, you know, some of y'all may be thinking like, well, Brandon, that, that, sounds, that sounds a little selfish to me. That sounds a little strange. You should at least like, like bring a dish. You should at least offer to, to, to cook or something. Well, before you judge me, let me explain a little bit, okay? Let, let me give you a little context here. So in, in, in black families, now I can't speak for all of us, but I'm going to speak for some of us. So I'm just going to let you know that. I can't speak for everybody, but in black families... Thanksgiving is like the Super Bowl of family dinners. Okay, friends. What that means is that Thanksgiving is not the day where we want to try your experiment greens. <laughs> Thanksgiving is not the day where we want to try cousin so-and-so's recipe, you know, uh, um, um, a sweet potato pie recipe that he found on Pinterest. No, no, not on Thanksgiving. You test that mess out on a random Sunday. Not today. Not today. Actually, matter of fact, if, if, if you want to cook the, the mac and cheese, arguably the most important dish on the menu, we can, we can clap it up for that. And whoever wants to debate that, we can debate that later. If you want to cook the mac and cheese on Thanksgiving, first you need to submit your resume to the council. That's, that's step number one. Then after you do that, we need to see at least four to seven years of experience. Um, after that, we need, we need three references from you as, as well. And that's just to be considered, friends. That, that, that's it. And we have to be able to trace your recipe back to one of the original recipes of one of the elders or the ancestors in the family, just so that it has credibility. Listen, there, there are levels to this. It's, it's, you, you, you can't just cook on Thanksgiving. You know, to, to cook in my family, it, it means that you are gifted for it. I didn't make these rules up. I, I, I just live by them. That, that's all. That's all. And whether you are, are one who, who prepares a dish on Thanksgiving or whether you are one who consumes a dish on Thanksgiving, on, on holidays, we are reminded that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. Whether, whether that's a community of incredible friends and, and, and folks that we, we, we love and appreciate, or whether it's family that we love and appreciate, it's, it's a wonderful feeling knowing that you are a part of something larger than you. Yet, if, if many of us were, were to be honest, if we were to, to, to sit and reflect we don't always live with that awareness that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I believe 
that the reason for that, the reason why we don't always live with that awareness, is because we are influenced by something so powerful. Uh, we're influenced by this value that's hard to recognize at times because it is like the air we breathe. It's like the water we swim in. It's so natural to us. It, it promises us, us peace and, and purpose as we prioritize it, but ultimately sometimes it, it overpromises and it underdelivers. That value is individualism. You know, I'm, I'm sure that we, we've all heard it said that we live in an individualistic society and culture here in the West as opposed to a collectivist culture where we prioritize the needs and the desires of the individual over the whole. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that all aspects of, of individualism is negative and there are no positive aspects to it, but there are many aspects of individualism that are not helpful. You know, individual, individualism will have us living life and showing up in life very similar to how I describe myself at Thanksgiving as if everything should be readily available to me and I can just show up and consume. It's really good at creating consumers rather than contributors. We live in this tension between individualism and our need, our desire to be connected to something larger than us. That connection, that need, is one of the greatest human needs that we have. It's, it's why we, we join softball leagues and basketball leagues. It's why we join fraternities and sororities. It's why we, we, we join clubs and that kind of thing, because we desire to contribute and be connected to something more significant than ourselves. Well, the good news is this, is that as, as Jesus followers, he invites us to be a part of something way more significant than ourselves. He, he invites us to be connected to something special. He calls us to be connected to what he calls his church. And in our Christian lives, it's to be experienced on the, the, the personal level, the individual level, yes, but also in connection with others as well. So the question that I want to invite us all to consider together and to wrestle with together is what part do we play in one another's faith? Or I'll say it this way, what's missing if I'm missing? What's missing if I'm missing? Well, if you can open your Bibles with me to Romans 12, as you know, we've been in this series studying Romans 12 and looking into it. If you can go with me there to Romans 12, verse 3 to 8, there are Soul City Bibles underneath the seat in front of you, and Romans 12 is on page 920. And as you go there, I'll give a little context of what's happening up until this point. So the Apostle Paul, the writer of Romans he is, is writing to this, this diverse community of people from, from different cultures and backgrounds and subcultures. And he, he has just established this very important idea in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, of the work that God does with us individually. 
the, the, the work between God and I. And now he, he's shifting and now he's, he's unpacking the dynamic of, of God and us and what that looks like. And that's where we pick up in Romans 12 verse 3. And I'm going to ask that you all help me to read this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give space for you all to, to call out and to say the things that are in bold. So let's get started as we read here. For by the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. If we have different we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If, you have, <clears throat> if your gift is prophesying, then in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then if your gift is teaching, then if your gift is to encourage, then if it is giving, then give. If it is to lead, then do it. If it is to show mercy, then do it. And what is Paul saying? He, he, he just went in. He went in a little bit here. And he, and he, says, he says a lot. And, and I want us to spend some time unpacking this. When, when it comes to this question of what's missing, if I'm missing, there, there are three keys that we see in this text that I want to spend some time with. The first key that we see in this text is that you belong to God. You belong to God. In, in verse 3, the Apostle Paul, he, he says, hey, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but, but rather think of yourself with, with sober judgment. So he, he's saying to the, to, to the Romans here, he's saying, hey, rather than being intoxicated with self, with, with self-importance and self, self um, you know, um, a person, you know, just, just preserving yourself, rather be humble, recognizing that everything that you have, all the things that you have, it's a gift. It comes from somewhere. Rather, have this posture of humility rather than pride, understanding that everything that you have has a source. You know, I think about it, I think about it this way. You know, when's the last time somebody gave you an incredible gift? I mean, think about it. Like, what, what's that thing for you? Maybe it was some shoes or a, a bag or something like that. Actually, why, why don't we dream together? We, we, we can dream together. If somebody's going to give you an a incredible gift, what is that for you? Maybe it's a, it's a car. Maybe it's a trip outside of the country. For me, that's what it would be. It would be a trip. It would be a trip out of, outside of the country. My wife surprised me like, hey, Brandon, this is what I got for you. Love it. Okay. I want <laughs> – I'm not – I'm not, I'm not like, you know, dropping hints or anything, but I want you to think about that thing for you. What, what would it be? Now, now imagine yourself bragging about that gift. Imagine yourself just, just bragging as if you bought it for yourself. Somebody may say, hey, wow, girl, I love that bag. Oh, girl, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hustle hard, but I play harder, period. <laughs> period. Or... or Oh, wow, that, that's a nice MacBook. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I figure you, you got to treat yourself. No one else will. Besides, you can't take it with you when you're gone anyway. 
No, we, we, we wouldn't do that because we know that to, 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 to do that takes away from the fact that this is a gift. It, it dishonors the person who, who gave us the gift. And in the same way, the same is true for our Christian lives, that everything that we have, our intellect, our personality, our, our, our giftings, our blessings in life, it all comes from somewhere. It has a source. This is what the Apostle Paul says actually in Ephesians 2.10 when he echoes the same idea. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. Emphasis on God's. You are his work of art. You are his, his special treasure that he took time to intricately create. You have plans that he has planned for you long ago. And, and Paul is saying to, to not recognize this, to not accept this, is to think of oneself higher than you ought. But the inverse is also true as well, that, 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 that we shouldn't we shouldn't belittle ourselves either in the name of humility because that's not true humility. That's not real humility. So in this sense, you belong to God. But not only do you belong to God, you belong in the body. And this is the second key that we see here as well. You belong in the body. In verse 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul, he uses this metaphor that he loves. He loves this, this metaphor of the human body to explain and to talk about the local church. And, and, and he says in verse 5, he says, in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. What does that mean? What, what, what is he saying? Well, I think that if Paul were talking to us today, he would, he would say, hey, all of you who, who are from different backgrounds, from different cultures, who have different experiences with different skills and different gifts, you all are, are, are to come together and, and collectively be an expression of Christ in Chicagoland. This is what he would probably say. And here's the paradigm shift that I believe the Holy Spirit is offering us today. I believe this is the way that it should be. In the Christian life, our calling is connected to the collective. Our calling is connected to the collective. Meaning in, in, in this mystical but really practical way, a part of your calling it's connected to the, 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 the collective body of Christ. To use his metaphor, Paul's metaphor here, my, my hands are, are special, they're unique, they're different from, from every other aspect of my body, but, but God gave me hands because of a problem that my body has. He, he gave me hands because I needed to grab things. I, I needed to hold on to things. And in doing this, my, my hands are fulfilling their purpose in their connection to my body. What, what Paul is saying is that no one individual should think that they are sufficient in and of themselves. No one individual should think that they have all of the things that they need and therefore they don't need anybody else. Listen, I, I, know, I know that Queen Beyonce once said, it's just me, myself, and I. 
That's all I have in the end. I took a vow. I'm going to be my own best friend. Listen, that, that, that's a great song. It, it's a wonderful song, but it's not the Christian life. See, a, a part of, of our experience in, in, in experiencing the fullness of God, a part of that looks like experiencing him through other people, experiencing him through our church community. Maybe you're, you're thinking right now, maybe you're like, well, hold, Brandon, are you saying that being connected to a local church is more important than my connection, my individual, my personal connection with Jesus? Is that what you are saying? Are you saying that? No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is what we see in our text is that Paul suggests, he, he says that the, 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 the two function together, that they are connected in the same way in which our bodies are joined together. One of the best examples of this idea of our calling being connected to the collective is found in a word that originates from southern and eastern Africa. That word is Ubuntu. And this word is so rich and it's, it, it's so weighty. It, it has so many um, nuances to it that we can spend months unpacking this word. But Ubuntu, it encapsulates all of the qualities that a respected member of, of, of those particular societies, the qualities that, 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 that they would have. Qualities like generosity and compassion and empathy and understanding, forgiveness, and the ability to share. It describes one's ideal relationship and, and interaction with their community. And Ubuntu, it, it can be summarized in this phrase, in this phrase first said by the, the African Christian scholar John Mbiti. And I believe that this is Paul's vision and what Paul is getting at in this text. And this is the phrase, I am because we are. And since we are, therefore I am. That's deep. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I am because we are. And because we are. Or, or I am because we are. And since we are, therefore I am. I love that. Ubuntu, it, it recognizes the, the individual masterpiece that you are. That a person is. While also emphasizing the, 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 the need and the, the, the necessity of the individual being connected to the collective in the way that the collective needs them. You belong in the body. You belong in the body. But then Paul, he, he concludes this idea with his third key in this text that your gifts belong in the body. In verses 6 to 8, he, he, he begins to get really practical. He gets clear. He, he, he's like, okay, so what does this mean? He's like, you know, what, what does it mean that you belong in the body and, and that you all belong to one another? What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, it looks like you serving one another by using your spiritual gifts. That's what it looks like. It looks like you all serving one another by using your gifts. Listen, we, we all have different spiritual gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. 
The, the original Greek word for, for gifts that Paul uses here in verse 6 is the word charisma. And it means a gift of divine grace. So, so maybe you, you've never identified as a person who has charisma. But guess what? Tomorrow, when you go back to work, you go back to school, you go back to life outside of church, I want you to go back with a new swag. I want you to, I want you, to you know, ha- have a new bounce when you, when, you, when you go back because you have charisma. You have charisma. If you have said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come. He's, he's set up shop. He lives in you. And because of that, he has given you his gifts, his, his charisma. And when Paul uses this word, he's referring to a, 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 a Christian receiving God's extraordinary power to function in a divine gift. So he's not talking about a, a skill or an ability that you get good at because you practice over time. That's not what he's implying here. He, he, he's implying the, the, the supernatural ability to do something beyond yourself because God has breathed on it, because God has, has given you that ability. And he lists seven here in, in this text, but the Bible is filled with a variety of gifts. The Bible's filled with so many. We have an example on a slide here of how many gifts there are in the Bible. And I believe we can probably find more. This is just a, a snapshot of what I found. But we all have gifts. He lists here for us in our text prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and acts of mercy. And I want to be clear about this, that your gifts aren't only for the church. The way God has gifted you, it's, it's not just for the local church. But Paul is clear that they are needed there. They're needed there. I, I would say it this way, that your gifts help the church be the church. Your gifts help the church be the church. When you are connected to the body of Christ and you are doing what you're passionate about and what you're gifted at, it completes the body of Christ. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really a big puzzle guy myself. I, I don't know how many puzzle lovers we have in the house or with us online. I don't do a whole lot of puzzles, but from time to time, I will do some puzzles with my daughter. She's, she's six. She likes doing puzzles. And it's fun to do it together. And one of the most important, or um, important, it is important, but it's frustrating. One of the most frustrating aspects of doing a puzzle, friends, is when you get down to the very end of the puzzle and you're, you're about to like get that satisfaction of finishing that puzzle, only to realize that you're missing some pieces. <laughs> oh, man, that... That happens a lot when you do puzzles that are six-year-old friendly puzzles. One of the most frustrating, disappointing aspects of doing a puzzle is when you are missing a few pieces. Because you, you, can't, you can't complete the picture. And, and that's a bummer. And in, in, in a very similar way, in a very similar sense, when, when, when your background when your gifts, when, when your perspective aren't connected to the collective, we're missing something. When, when you're not represented here, we're, we're, we're missing something. Now, 
Maybe when, when you think about connecting and, and engaging here, using your gifts here, maybe, maybe questions come to mind for you. Maybe questions like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what I, if I have time to do what he's talking about. I don't know if I have time for that. Maybe, maybe questions of like, do they really want me here? Is there really, is there really room for me? Am, am I good enough for that? Am I good enough for it? Listen, we need you to complete the picture. I say this unapologetically. This body needs you. This body needs you. And I'm so impressed with myself for doing a live puzzle <laughs> while, while I preach. This is... This is a moment. Look at, look at me go. Again, maybe a six-year-old friendly puzzle. So <laughs> listen, I, I say this unapologetically that this body needs you. And, and let me be clear about this. It's not just about you doing stuff. It's not just about like you, you, you doing things in the church. No, it, it, it's about the fact that when you're engaged, the, the, the picture is complete, that, 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 that the collective is represented better because who you are, what you bring, your giftings, your perspectives, it, it, it completes the picture, it completes the body of Christ. You know, maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, well, that sounds great, Brandon, but I don't really know what my gifts are. I haven't really thought about this that deeply. I, I, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. And if that is you, I, I, I say I totally understand that. And I offer this, that one of the best ways that I have learned in my life uh, to, to discovering my gifts, and I also have found this to be true in so many other people's lives as well, is to just begin stepping out and doing stuff. <laughs> stepping out and beginning to serve. Because what I have found is that God often reveals our gifts on the go. He, he just reveals our gifts on the go as we step out and, and we try to figure out our, our fit in the body of Christ through serving. This has been the case with so many people around here. Countless stories of, of folks who just kind of found their place and, and what they liked and didn't like and what they're gifted for and weren't gifted for just by stepping out and serving. One, one of those stories is, is from a guy named Caleb, who is, is a senior in college right now. He's a senior in college who, who said, I'm going to step out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve in Soul City students. So about 13 months ago, he began serving as a group leader and found life in that. And today, he is helping to coordinate the middle school experience as gifts of, of teaching and, and leadership are coming alive in him. And, and it's incredible to see. And I could tell you story after story of people who have found their gifts and their, and their place as they just have stepped out because God reveals our gifts on the go. I'm looking at faces right now who I can, who I can say like, oh, yep, yep, that's their story. That's their story. Because that is how God often reveals himself to us. You know, an a, a easy and low-hanging fruit opportunity. If you're like, well, okay, I'll, I'll step out. If, if God reveals things on the go, I'll, I'll serve. I'll try something. 
An easy low-hanging fruit opportunity is our, our Jingle Jam and our Christmas store coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, shout out to the, those folks who, who already, if you know, you know type of thing. I love it. So it's an easy opportunity right there. Another, another option and starting point I want to offer is, is this week, I want to invite you all to, to participate and take a, a spiritual gift survey or assessment, rather, that we put together for you. And this assessment will help you to identify what your spiritual gifts are, or maybe to remind you of what they are. Maybe you already know, and, and, and you'll take this quiz, and you'll be reminded, like, huh, I took it earlier this week, and I was surprised with, wow, this is accurate. This is, yeah, this, this is a gift that I have. And I, I believe that you will love this quiz. It'll only be about two to three minutes. Um, it's a really fun quiz to take, and we waste two to three minutes, don't we, on TikTok and Instagram and other things. So this two to three minutes, it could literally set you on a a trajectory of clarity, uh, of partnering with God in a brand new way. So I want to invite you to take this quiz, and it will also offer some next steps of ways in which you can put those gifts into practice and things you can do with it. You know, one, one thing that I am also very aware of is that Doing church life is not simple. It's not simple. Even though in our text that we just read, Paul seems to make it sound pretty neat and clean, didn't he? He made, he made it sound pretty, pretty simple and easy, but, but, but we know that it's not. Listen, I, I, I get it. I grew up in church Sunday, Tuesday, Friday. Yes, yes, you heard me correctly. Sunday, Tuesday, Friday, my, my entire life, I, I totally get it. You know, the, 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 church, the church has caused some damage for many of us. The church has, has caused many of us pain. Rather than helping us feel like we belong, the, 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 the church has more so caused us to feel rejected. The, the, the church has felt like a place where we've been burned out, where we have, have been used. And through experiences like that, it, it, it can feel like, I don't know if I can trust the church. It, it, it can feel like there's a, a disconnect between us and the church. And, and I want you to hear me say that if that is where you are today, if that is how you feel today, that that is okay. It's okay to, to be in that place. And I also want you to hear me say that as a, a representative of the collective church, as a leader in, in God's collective church, I want you to hear me say that I am so sorry, that I, I feel deeply saddened, by your experience. And I know with 100% confidence and conviction that I speak on behalf of the heart of the Father when I say this, that that was not God's plan for your life. That was not his intention for your life. And that he is grieved, he is hurt by the things 
that have hurt you, by the things that you have experienced, by the things that you felt. And the fact that you are in this room right now or with us online right now in this space, the fact that you're in this space, it it, it demonstrates that there is something on the inside of you that, 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 that still recognizes and, and feels that there is something significant and valuable that being connected to the local church brings. And I will say this, that I, I know that I am biased. I'm, I'm so biased, but I still believe in the church. I, I still believe in the body of Christ. I still believe that the church is God's plan to transform our world. I believe that we are better together than we are separated. I believe that we can do more together than we can apart. I still believe that. I believe that. I believe that as we serve one another, that we ourselves are transformed. I believe that that is a work that the Holy Spirit does. The vision that that, that Paul lays out for us of what the local church should be it is worth it to me. It, it, it just is. Let's be honest, it, it'll probably be messy. <laughs> it, it'll probably be frustrating at times. It, it, it'll probably be irritating at times. But it's worth figuring out to me. It just is. It's worth figuring out. This is worth figuring out. Doing this together, finishing the, the, the puzzle together, the picture, the collective picture It's just worth it to me. This is the bottom line. When you play your part, a part of us changes. Actually, when when you play your part, a part of you changes. This is the invitation we see in Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. As we all play our parts, I believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit... I believe that it's not impossible to see parts of our family change, parts of our communities impacted, parts of our world impacted and our nation impacted. I don't believe that that's impossible because I know what the collective body of Christ is capable of when we can do it together. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of something like that. And I want to invite you to be a part of something like that. Would you all want to stand with me as we pray? Father, we are so thankful for your vision. Because you see things, God, that we don't see. You, your, your, your ways are higher than our ways. Your, your, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You have a plan and a purpose for all of us individually, but you have a plan and a purpose for all of us collectively. And God, the, the vision that you give us is that we are better together. That you have set it up in such a way where Together, we can, can, can come and be agents of healing and reconciliation with, for, for one another and collectively be that for the world and those around us. 
So Father, I pray that, that, that you would unleash this vision in our hearts of what the church should be. Would you unleash our gifts? Would you um, give us the ability to operate in them? And we just say thank you for what you're going to do in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.